0: Ephesians 5.21, the message is entitled Christian Submission. Paul has given seven marks of walking in wisdom from verse 15 to 21 of chapter 5. They are as follows walking circumspectly, verse 15, walking redeeming the time, 16, walking understanding the will of the Lord, 17, walking being filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 18. Walking, speaking to ourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts of the Lord. 19, verse 20, walking, giving thanks. And now, verse 21, walking, submitting to one another. We pointed out that verse 21 is not a new section, but part of the closing section. It goes 19 to 21. Otherwise, it would interrupt the last of the seven marks of walking in wisdom, as well as interrupting the natural flow of the four principles or participles that we have in verse 19 to 21. They all stand together. Plus, ignoring the clear distinction of the submission by the context, verse 21 is reciprocal submission of one Christian To another. Verse 22 is mutual submission of husbands and wives. Context, just one verse difference. Therefore, verse 21 is transitional, going from submission to each other to wife and husbands. The entire family household follows chapter 5, verse 22, all the way to chapter 6, verse 9. Paul has described the Spirit-filled Christian as a constant co-participant with God from 18 to 21. So verse 21 and 18 are transitional, going from the general responsibility of every believer to submit to the specific in marriage and household Again, from verse 22 down to chapter 6, verse 9. So, we want to take a close look at the responsibility of submission in the Christian life before we deal with it in marriage, in the family. Since there is such a negative view today towards submission in our secular society, but also in the church, much of the church is emergent, it's an heresy. It's incredible. The humanistic philosophy of loving yourself has permeated American society and church. Many people are living by a pop, Christian, cultural, psychological theology based on an integration of subjective interpretation of scripture. To feel good about themselves under the false pretext that You must first love yourself before you can love others. What a lie. Majority of Christians buy it today. So we've redefined scripture, Christianity, and the church. In fact, they call the church campuses now. Interesting. The popularity of Dr. James Dobson in the 70s through the 90s, calling himself a Christian psychologist. Popularize this quasi-watered-down theology, convincing people there is such a thing as Christian psychology. It's like grape nut. It's neither grape nor nut, nut. What is it? In fact, it is what Paul warned the Colossians about. Listen carefully, Colossians 2.8. Beware lest anyone cheat you literally plunder you or take you captive through philosophy, phileosophia, the love of wisdom, which is the love that is not only humanistic, but it's empty deceit according to the traditions of man, according to the basic principle of the world, the ABCs, and not according to Christ. Very, very clear. So this is nothing new. It would existed in Paul's day. It will exist throughout the church age. There is no psychology that is Christian. All are sourced and based on secular humanism. Sigmund Freud, Alfred Adler, Eric Fromm, Abraham Maslow, Carl Rogers, and I can go on. All atheistic humanistic. This is a life of carnality, integrating light and darkness, revealing oneself to be a Corinthian living for the trinity of darkness, me, myself, and I. Welcome to the church today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're not part of it. And so, there are three things we want to see regarding submission to one another here in verse 21. Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Here's the three things. First, submission is... A distinguishing mark of the believer in every age, every generation, every nation, every culture, regardless. Second, submission is distasteful to the unbeliever. And then thirdly, submission is to depict the Christian home controlled by the Spirit. So we want to finish with an overview that we'll move into the next verses. Let's begin here with submission. is a distinguishing mark of the believer. Notice the believer's example of the principle of submission is epitomized by our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen carefully, Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man came not to to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He's the example, completely. The Apostle Paul detailed the process of the submission of our Lord Jesus Christ, as you know, as he took um, on the form of a servant, and he humbled himself, being obedient to the death of the cross, Philippians 2, 7 through 8. He emptied himself of his glory, never his deity. Each of us should be humbled when we think of the submission of Christ for our benefit, not for his own. Each of us should be recognize our pride that keeps and will keep us from submitting to each other. For submission is always for the benefit. Listen carefully. Of others now notice the believer is commanded throughout Scripture to submit so this is not just an isolated command and by the way it is a command okay it's not an option not a suggestion Paul says in Romans 13:1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities as they are ordained by God and those who resist them will bring judgment on themselves That's a pretty strong command, and it's for every Christian. Think of the day and people that Paul is addressing, the believers in Rome who are being persecuted by Rome. The limitation of submission to the state is when the state would oppose or command to violate the teaching of Scripture. Acts 4.19, 5.29. And also when they forfeit their Responsibility of duty to punish the evil and reward or protect the good. When they punish the good and reward the evil, then they have no more authority over me. Very important. As you know, they command abortions. The states make decisions on that. Now it's legal, but it's not moral or ethical. So I, as a Christian, can't go for it. So be careful that you don't say, well, it's legal. So what? Is it ethical? Is it moral? Is it scriptural? That's the better question. Many young people need to think about these things as you are indoctrinated in the public school system and universities. The Corinthians were to submit to the household of Stephanas as those who were laboring in Christ in 1 Corinthians 16, 15 through 16. The context is biblical leadership, not abusive authority that is self-serving. That's important to understand. The shepherding doctrine, oversight of the church by leaders that flourished in the 70s was by compulsion. This submission is willing to one another. The shepherding doctrine lorded over people. So whoever you got saved under, you were submitted to them and you asked them permission whether, who, whether you can buy a car, where you can move, who do you marry, this and that. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. 1 Peter 5 2 through 3. We're not the Lord over people. We submit willingly to the leadership that is biblical. Now, the capacity for submission is due to the new nature. Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Again, Christ is the example there. He emptied himself of his glory, okay? Uh, the, the, the word being is an antecedent condition in the Greek. It means he was God when he was before he came. He was God when he came and he was God when he left. He was God who became man to veil his glory. Our sinful nature always desires to be on top, which contradicts the humanistic teaching of low self-esteem. Through the 70s on, destroy our country. Low self-esteem, you love yourself. You love you more than anybody else. I take a picture of you, and I say, after the service, you can look at your picture, you're going to look at you and say, oh, that doesn't look like me. No, that's you, because you think you look better. Simple. Paul is going to tell the man to love his wife as his own body. By taking the simple practice of loving himself and applying it towards love for his wife and obedience to Christ. Ephesians 5.28, he'll tell us. The goal of submission is unity and protection of the church body. Listen to Hebrews 13.17. Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Bad relationships like a father or son and they're always fighting and no communication and it's just hostile. Our submission is unto the Lord, to each other. According to the scriptures, there are always those who think they are not accountable to anyone. They are an authority to themselves. They're always objecting or creating trouble when the scriptural authority and discipline is exercised in the church. Matthew 18 is a good example, but most churches don't exercise Matthew 18. We exercise Matthew 18. You have something against it, you go to him by one, by twos, by threes. The responsibility falls on the innocent party, by the way, not the guilty party. Wow. The submission of believers is to be to the institutions of man, be the kings, governors, or God ordained these institutions to punish the evildoer, to praise the good. For the will of God is by doing good. The Christian silences the ignorance of foolish men by that. As free and not using liberty as a cloak of vice or wickedness, but as Bond servants of God, 1 Peter 2, 13-17 says. Your life should be far different from when you first came to the Lord before that. When you accepted Christ, your life was transformed on every level. You're under new management. You're marching orders of the scriptures. We all have the same manual. No one has a different one. So you got to study it so you understand it in context so you don't give some weird interpretation to it. Very important. Our responsibility is not always to demand our rights, but to do what is right for the glory of the Lord and his kingdom. Even as Paul submitted himself to being beat and imprisoned at Philippi for the purpose of God to save the jailer in Acts 16, 22 through 24. He could have pulled out his Roman passport he did not that time. He did other times, not that time. The responsibility of believers in the church is to be no different. Listen to 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. You see, the believer in obedience to submission never means... Or infers inferiority, but a recognition of the one of the two elements that must be present for effectiveness and productivity to take place. The other's authority. Without authority and submission, there's no productivity, no effectiveness. Take anything a job, a home a business, anything. The idea of submission has been a dirty word for the progressive liberal feminist movement, the politically correct movement, and now even the emergent movement in the church. And now the perversion of gender and transsexualism that allows men to call themselves a woman and compete against women in sports, destroying the opportunities for women. What a sham. It's no accident. It's on purpose to decay and implode society. Make sure you understand that. They say and make women equal to men at the expense of their divine role of wife and mother. The casualties are her husband, children, and her marriage. Without submission and authority as complements, nothing can function effectively and productively, as I said, certainly not in marriage in the family. Carry it to corporation, even a nation, simple. Provide one example that is a product of, a, uh, is productive and effective. Avoid these two principles. You'll never find one. The word submitting "hupataso" tasso is, as we've noted, is a compound word. Upo meaning under and tasso a military term meaning to draw up in order the lineup in view of one of higher rank, military term. The two words join mean lining up oneself under someone having authority over you without implying inferiority. Biblical submission never implies inferiority. It implies effectiveness. That's what it implies and means. Many submit to one another in their jobs, yet they are more intelligent more able, but that is their position to bring about the effectiveness and productivity of that company. Simple. Paul says the head of Christ is God, yet Christ is never inferior to the Father, but rather submitting to the plan of the Father for efficiency of the atonement, First 1 Corinthians 11.3. Paul is giving God's creative order saying the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. This is God's creative order for man's effective and productive redemption. There's no inferiority implied to Christ. Can't be. The same applies to the church and its members. Not all have the same function, but all are part of the whole body, complementing and bringing about unity and diversity magnifies unity. Now the emergent church and, and the world says diversity it means the same. They better go back to school. Diversity means different. But complementing, not contradicting. Interesting. You find that clearly illustrated in 1 Corinthians 12 with the parts of the body. All of us are interdependent. We need one another. That's why the globalists want you to isolate yourself to your home so you can get away from thinking you need others. All of us are interrelated. We affect one another. We're supposed to affect each other for good. We gather together to communicate, to connect the dots, what's going on in the world. We live in the world, but not of the world. We have greater hope. We have living hope. Our focus on Jesus Christ, what's going on in the world. The Bible has told us about thousands of years ago. The Old Testament, the day of the Lord, the day of wrath, New Testament, tribulation, great tribulation. So we understand all this is a dress rehearsal for the coming of the Antichrist. We know what's going to happen. The world doesn't. So we're to be light. We're to be there to pull people out of the fire. Be praying for them. None is inferior. None is superior. None is alike. None has the same function. Diversity means not the same. This has been corrupted today by the politically correct movement and the present global movement. The entire body submits to the head, as you know, there in First Corinthians 12 and other places, the head is Christ. As every part and organ of our body submits to the orders of the head, my hand has never commanded or given an order to any part of my body. I've known it for 72 years. My head is the one that commands. The body receives and exercises the commands. You strike the head, you hurt the body. You hurt any part of the body, it doesn't necessarily affect the head. The head is very important, it's Christ. Now the believer submits notice in the fear of God. The believers' reverence, respect, and adoration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ is evident by walking in wisdom that is given to us from verse 15 down to 21. For us to submit is absolute wisdom through the Word of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1:7 says this refers to the basic foundation, and then chapter 9, the first step: the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy understanding, Proverbs 9.10. This refers to the first step. So after laying the foundation, the fear of the Lord, the first step is still the fear of the Lord, which is turned into wisdom. You show me a person who does not fear the Lord, and I will show you a person who doesn't submit to the body of Christ according to the scriptures and the purposes of God. We're talking to God's people, not the world. The world can't submit, doesn't want to submit, no more than you and I didn't want to submit. We had no idea of this kind of submission. A person um, asked George Mueller the secret of his service. George Mueller said, and I'm quoting, there was a day when I died. And as he spoke, he bent lower and lower until he almost touched the floor, died to George Mueller, his opinions, preferences, tastes, and will die to the world, its approval or censure, Die to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. Wow, we need more George Muellers today. Our submission to one another, ladies and gentlemen, under the most difficult times is modeled by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As he served the disciples by washing their feet, knowing they would all forsake him and one would betray him in John 13. Can't get a worse scenario than that. He submits washing their feet. Wow. It's embarrassing being a Christian at times. Submission and obedience in the believer's life are synonymous in the scriptures, as you know. But what makes it pleasing to the Lord is the attitude of heart, not the sacrifice. First Samuel fifteen two, it's better to obey than to sacrifice, to hearken to the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Obedience is what God desires of us not sacrifice. Often men want to make up for disobedience or justify it by their sacrifice so they point to their works because we're work oriented. No, God wants us as men, heads of home, to obey. Submission does not degrade a person but rather exalts them by being all God intended them to be. For if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us in due time, First Peter five six. Submission by a Christian often, and after the manner of the shepherding doctrines I mentioned earlier, which became very popular in the early seventies, is unbiblical, abusive. Some of that still goes on in churches. Cults—they they turn into cults. Jesus. Um, As you know, in Mark 10, 42 to 43, um, he says, after rebuke James and John for seeking the right hand and the left hand in his glory, he says, uh, the Gentiles seek to have authority over this. It shall not be so among you. And he's the example. Completely. And so submission to one another is a carryover from submission to the Lord. Listen carefully. In single life. And married life. For the authority is the same in the scriptures. But as you're single, you're learning to submit yourself to the Lord because he's preparing you for marriage. When you're single, you think you're the greatest because you're the only one. And you think you're good. It's part of youth. It's part of the human nature. But the scriptures give you perspective. And often people get married and all of a sudden they start having problems. And of course, they never had these problems before they married him or her. So it must be his and her problem. They're the cause. No. Marriage just puts you under the fire and reveals all the crack in you, the pot. You always had those problems, but you just ignore them because you love yourself more than anybody else. But now a mirror is put before you and you don't like it. Wow. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. proper for doctrine, correction, instruction that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. No other authority but the word of God. Not your emotions, not your feeling, not your culture. Nothing, nobody, nothing but the word of God. To every generation, every culture. Every individual is ever born again. No distinction. So submission is a distinguishing mark of the believer throughout Scripture. Now secondly, submission is distasteful to the unbeliever. We'll just take a little time to see this. No one wants to submit in any form of authority unless they see personal benefit. Everyone wants to be head. Everybody wants to lead and to rule. Everybody works Towards the top, everyone submits as long as it is profitable for them. The entire philosophy of our day is you can do it. Go for it. You have it in you. Be positive. They focus on positive energy today. No, no, I don't want the negative energy. Shut up, negative energy. Will you plug it into a socket or what? Special rights and privileges have been taken and given to special interest groups and minorities, to meet quotas of male versus females, not having to submit to the same high standards that began in the early 70s. 1% for blacks, for Mexicans, for homosexuals. Just 1% and it started increasing. So they were given special favor, special position. No longer is it your ability to get an A, but that you deserve your entitled. Whoa. Look where we're at. By the way, if you're offended by when I said Mexican, I'm Mexican. I was born in Mexico City, okay? My grandpa, German. My grandparents, Spaniards. My dad, Mexican through his mom, okay? So don't talk about Mexicans. I live in Mexico City, all right? Now, just a slight note. The average husband in our secular society is not submitting to his responsibility as God intended because he is living for himself. He's not caring for his wife as Christ cared for the church. It's not even a consideration many times especially in the secular world, are dead, blinded by sin and trespass. But tragically, some in the church are carnal. In the world, he's not caring for his children as he should. He's too busy with caring for himself, being ruled by his sin nature. You know, everybody today, I need some time out. Time out when I grew up, man, they knocked you out. That's when you came out, when you woke up. Time for yourself. Listen, when you get married, you're done. You're living for each other and for your kids. And men, you're last. All right? Simple. It used to be taught even in the secular world. This is the majority of our society evident in the number of divorces, live-ins, runaways, suicides, the corruption of the church. The greater tragedy is that Christian men are not submitting to the commands of the scriptures for their families. Please understand, I've been a pastor for 46 years, not in some corner. To love their wives as Christ loves the church by denying self. To raise their children in the Lord by word and example. To run their homes by biblical principles, not worldly ones. The Christian in great numbers are living by worldly concepts and ideas, making it difficult to tell them between the Christian and the non-Christian. Sometimes because of their ignorance of God's word, by not studying it. Other times because they have secularized the gospel, still other times as just rebellious and they choose to live a carnal life. The average wife is no different in our secular society is also failing to submit to her husband's authority as God intended because she is a liberated woman. In fact, marriage is looked down in the world. No-fault divorce in the early 80s just destroyed our country. We have been um, liberated from all forms of traditional male and female roles to include homosexuality, bisexual, transsexual, and you can keep going on all the different categories. We have been saturated with the humanistic philosophies of our day, existentialism, situational ethics, value clarification, all boundaries have been blurred, resulting in confusion and relativism to destroy our American nation. Objective truth has become a dirty word, prohibited in our public school systems, universities, and society today. The politically correct language of the 2000s has become the foundation for the legislative enforcement and prosecution for those who offend anyone of alternate lifestyle groups. America and the world has moved into an immoral society since the year 2000. Amoral, I'm sorry. Completely no morality. We've always been immoral to some sense and degree, but amoral at the year 2000. Amoral about homosexuality. If you're against it, they call you homophobic. If a boy in school feels like being a girl that day, they can go into the girls' bathroom and dressing rooms. How convenient. You no longer come from a broken home, but a dysfunctional home. Ooh, that sounds better. The entitlement mentality and immoral policies have confused and corrupted our society at large. The little saying of the 60s and 70s have Sprouted their wings and taken on flesh throughout the 80s and 90s and into the new millennial of the 2000s. Different strokes for different folks. Try it, you'll like it. Do your own thing. Do what you want to do. Just do it. The best man for the job's a woman. Now everything is going to be free college, loans, everything. Wow. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the Trojan horse to America has been public school education, the universities, and the filthy, immoral music of the day. Wow. Now, we live in the world, but we don't live over the world. Light and darkness are clearly distinguished. We want to distinguish that from legalism or self-righteousness. We don't want to be self-righteous. We don't deserve heaven. We deserve hell. We're saved by the grace of God. We don't want to be legalistic, where we're putting the heavier yoke on people than we would bear ourselves. So we must be careful. The children of our society are a result through the direct consequence of parents not modeling submission End up rebelling and undermining the authority of the home and society. The children undermine the authority of the father and laugh at the mother. And today that doesn't even happen. The homes are so deteriorating, degraded. The children are indoctrinated at school to be liberal, unsubmissive, and demanding rather than educated to respect and obey. The entitled special interest groups, gangs, and corrupt politicians are dismantling our American society. But if you've studied the scriptures, you know that's where the world's gone. So this is nothing new. The only surprise is the lightning speed that it's happened in. So what so many don't understand and fail to recognize is that our society is a mere reflection of the homes where authority and submission have been allowed to be undermined and weakened for the fabric of society to fail. No amount of money can solve our chaotic social problems. No amount of programs can reverse the lawlessness of our society. No amount of good intentions will correct the problem. Nothing but being born again can change the heart of a person, one at a time. Right now, our Governor Newsolini, he's closing all of the juvenile halls, many of the correctional institutions, and putting people out in the street. What they have in store for California in the next four years is scary. You better have your eyes on the Lord. You better know the word of God. You better be the church and not just go to church. Very important. Why is this so? The carnal mind is an, en- an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither can he indeed be. Romans 8, 7. The non-believers, that's, that's what it is. Now we see the evil, we're we shot but they're dead. You were dead, I was dead. Remember how we used to live? That's all they can do. So the only hope is the gospel. Your example, my example, our prayers. the natural man has no ability to submit to God. For Christians to expect non-believers to submit to God is crazy. God doesn't demand it. They're dead and trapped us in sins, Ephesians 2.1. When you have a complete breakdown of the family for any long duration, it will eventually manifest itself in society in violence and lawlessness, delinquency, low morals, confusion of roles that bring about promiscuity, homosexuality, and alternate lifestyles, politically correct labels distinguishing a perverted and destructive lifestyle condemned by Scripture. Just read Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. It describes it perfectly. We live in a godless generation that is caught up in self-love, self-absorption, self-indulgence, self-destruction. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, key, unthankful, unloving, unholy, unforgiving, Slanders, without self-control, brutal, despised of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power, and from such people turn away. Family love, no family love is included in there, unloving. Astorge. Wow. A servant was left by his master to care for his price-fighting Roosters, as he went into town, and thinking he would uh, save some time, he let them all out of their cages to f- feed them. Well, you know that's a great mistake. He is totally ignorant about them. They began fighting and killing each other. And as as the master was coming back, and he comes back, he said, "What did you do?" He says, "Well, I, I thought they would know they were all on the same team. <laughs> really?" That's a picture of man without God. What a picture of our society and marriages in the world and in the church today. No one wants to submit, failing to see they are on the same team. We need to pray to God for our country, the lost people, marriages, and families, for there is a spiritual blindness that is brought about, as you know, by the God of this world, Satan, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. That's the light of the gospel come upon them. We need to pray for those in authority and government that they get saved in spite of the evil they're perpetrating. For there is no radical turning from the ongoing decay and the evil, then there will be no hope in our nation and for our nation. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4 tells us to pray for those in government. Doesn't mean we don't call out the evil, okay? A coin has two sides, heads and tails, okay? We need to provide our families, our neighbors, co-workers, and the world at large an example of godly homes. Spirit-filled marriages of two submissive servants. Remember, don't forget, we're, we're focusing on 21, but 18 is transitional too. 18 is the key to be able to live a godly home, husband, wife, being filled with the Spirit of God continually. So it's not by our own doing, not because we're so good, it's because we know we're good for nothing, so we want to be filled and yielding in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise your youth but be an example of the believer in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Every generation. He doesn't say only the guys that weren't uh, mistreated at home. Only the guys who have had an education. It's straight across the board. These are not suggestions. These are commands for every generation, every culture, every sinner, old, young, perverse, moral, ethical. doesn't matter. Wow. I learned in geometry that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Christians like to meander. Wow. Submission is distasteful to the unbeliever. Let's finish up with submission that is depicted and depicts the Christian home controlled by the Spirit. Submission, first of all, in family relationships is very, very clear. We're to submit to one another. Chapter 5, verse 21. Here. Wives submit to their husbands. In verse 22. Husbands submit to their wives by loving them. 25. Children are to submit to their parents by obeying. 6 1. Parents are to submit to their children in terms of using wisdom to not provoke them to wrath. 6 4. Servants are to submit to their masters, 6 5. We would apply that to employee employer. Masters submit to the Lord, 6 9. The entire list is used to comprise the average home, with the exception of servants and masters, and we make the application of employee employers. The family is the very fiber that holds the home together. Every unit has its place. Now, submission also is indicated in sexual relationships. Paul had uh, responded to some questions of the Corinthians about marriage, as you know, in and, and 1 Corinthians 7 and so. And the Corinthians had the Temple of Aphrodite, as you know, with female prostitution. And some Corinthians were apparently still joining themselves to those uh, prostitutes, 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. He says, don't you know you make Christ, one with the prostitute. And so the apostle writes, listen carefully here, to 1 Corinthians 7, 3-4, he says, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So in other words, you belong to one another, You don't have authority over your own life and body at the expense or exclusion of your husband or wife. That's called submission to God's word. Now some of the husbands are thinking they would be more spiritual apparently at that time if they denied themselves sexual relationships with their wives. Paul is really rebuking them here. They were to do this only for a short time if they sought the Lord. To hear the voice of God. Direction. Too often men remind the woman of how they are to submit to them as if they are some trained dog. The apostle addresses the man first, notice that in Corinthians. Focusing on the man to fulfill his duty to his wife, submitting in the area of their Sexual oneness context. Wow. God is very straightforward. Paul says that in the most intimate relationship a husband and wife have, the submission is mutual and willing in their sexual intimacy in the fear of God in marriage, not outside of marriage. Both being sensitive to one another's feelings and needs, being spirit filled and controlled, not to simply gratify oneself without concern for their mate. There's that simple thing again. Always want to be first, always want to be the, the one that gets the benefit. The goal, by the way, is the glory of God. Very clear. He rebukes the Corinthians sharply. The balance and responsibility to each other is mutual. Ladies, if you are always having a headache, take an aspirin. And men, if you are always pouting when your wife has a headache or tired, then you need to be spirit controlled and sensitive. Please do not let Satan in the bedroom. The Holy of Holies. Satan has a field day even in the church. Submission is also evident in caring relationships. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord, 1 Corinthians 7, 20, 32. The single person has no binding obligation to any person at all. The single person is married to the Lord. When you are single, you only have need to care for yourself. But in 1 Corinthians 7, 33, says, But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. When you are married, you are to care for each other. Make sure you do not make an idol of your husband or wife, but here, the responsibility of the husband to take care of his wife, how he may please her. But also, being realistic, Our wives or husbands are to be Christ-like. But they cannot meet all of our needs. I must go to Jesus Christ as well as my wife and not lay a guilt trip on one another. We're there for one another. We should do all we can for one another. We should serve one another, but we're not Jesus Christ. There are some things that only God can meet my need at. And I shouldn't lay that on my wife. Very important, or vice versa. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin, he says um, in uh, 734 of 1 Corinthians. He says, the unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and spirit, but she who is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So the virgin lives in her purity to please God. Though you young ladies, they're pure, you're virgin, then you maintain that, you'll never regret it. If you throw it away, you'll regret it the rest of your life. Simple. The married woman lives in purity of love to please her husband. The reason for the specific instruction was for their own profit. Listen to 1 Corinthians 7.35. Do not neglect their mates and serve the Lord without distraction. So caring for my wife, making sure the lawn is mowed and the house is painted and uh, and the dog is fed, that's to care for my home. Those are proper distractions. They come along with marriage. Sometimes pastors, I say, well, you know, it's just me and God and I just, I just sacrifice everything. No, no, no. If you're not being, your, your qualification for, to be a pastor or a Christian is your home. My authority to stand before you is not my degrees, not the amount of education, not how well I speak, not the famous people I know, but my home. Do I love my wife? Do I care for my wife, my children? Am I perfect? Nope. Just follow me around for five minutes. But that's the qualifications. Let's make that clear, okay? Too many men are behind the pulpit that have no business being behind the pulpit. There are some men that are better husbands as sinners than some pastors. Wow. I'm 72. I got saved at 23. I've been in ministry all those years except for three. Three. Submission in the acknowledgement of God's design is also evident. The man is not for the woman, but the woman for the man. 1 Corinthians 11.8 goes back to Genesis 2.21-23. God created Adam first. God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, as you know. And from his curved side, he made the woman. God did not create Eve from the dust of the ground, but from the closed part of man's heart, not from his head, to be above him, not that by his feet that he would trodden her underfoot, but the closest of his heart, right next to him. Nor was a man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Wheeam, I can hear it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 11, 9. Listen carefully, it's God's word. Woman was created for the man. Regardless of what our progressive and moral society says, the woman was created for the man, not the man for the woman. But it's a mutual love and submission and service to each other, a compliment. It is not good for a man to live alone. I will make a help me comparable to him, Genesis 2.18. This in no way minimizes nor emphasizes a degrading inferior part of position to the woman in God's order in marriage. Ladies, it is not an insult to your person or character. You're not a sex object or a slave for the man, but that you are valued highly by God in view that without you, the man is not complete. Peter says that the woman is the weaker vessel, so automatically men say, well, we're the stronger. No, if the woman is the weaker, then I am the weak vessel. And together, weaker and weak, we make strong, trusting the Lord. Threefold course not easily broken. Simple. You are the icing on the cake, ladies. <laughs> First Corinthians 11, 11 through 12 says, Nevertheless, neither is man independent of the woman. Now here's the flip side. Nor the woman independent of the man. And the Lord qualifies it. For as women came from man. Even so, man also comes through the woman. But all things are from God. So, every man, his trust is dependent on a woman. Because women are the ones that give birth to male and females. Men and women, right? So, no one can boast, I don't have need of you. They're both necessary. They're complementary. Not contradictory and not for competition. No woman or man is independent or complete by themselves. For they complement one another in marriage, being God's instruments fill the earth. The man cannot say, I don't need a woman, for if there is no woman, there's no more men, neither born. Simple. The woman cannot say, I don't need a man, for she would never bear children, male or female. The qualification is in the Lord. Don't miss that. Addressing those who are Christian. The believer is to know what the scriptures teach about the man's role in marriage, and obey it. We're going to get to that as we move from verse 22 on down. The woman is to also know her scriptural responsibly and obey, both of them. Adam said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man, Genesis 2, 23. Adam saw a part of himself in Eve. Adam saw the completeness of himself in Eve, God established the institution of marriage by the way at the beginning. It's not man made. Genesis 2 24 and 25 says, Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. This is before the fall. We can only imagine how wonderful it was. A new home with new authorities. You leave your mom and dad. They don't tell you what time you come in anymore. You don't have to ask them permission to go to the show. New home, new authority. A mutual submission withholding nothing from each other. Submission is to depict the Christian home by God's design for efficiency and productivity, ladies and gentlemen. One put it this way, quote, it costs much to obtain the power of the Spirit. It costs self surrender and humiliation and a yielding up of our most precious things to God. It costs the perseverance of long waiting and the faith of strong trust. But when we are really in that power, we shall find this difference that whereas before it was hard for us to do the easiest things, now it is easy for us to do the hard things. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He does the very best for those who leave the choice to him. Always has been. The problem in our every generation is that everyone wants to, the product without the process. They want a good relationship. They want a good marriage. They want the product. They want the cake, but they don't want to bake it. Without the process, there will be no good product. Like a good cook who has to follow the ingredients of a recipe to end up with the desired product, so a good marriage, a godly marriage. The basic principle is that, in the literal sacrifice of Jesus, listen to John 12:24. Listen carefully. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies don't miss that. there's the key: it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. This is the problem we don't like to die to sell. We want to live for self. We're to live for Christ. Die to self, live for Christ. For our wives, for our husbands, for our children, for the body of Christ. If you push it far enough, for the sinner. Hmm. They are being continually filled with the Spirit of God. Ephesians five eighteen. That's how you do it. They are submitting to one another in the fear of God. Verse twenty one. Christian relations and marriages that are kind, loving, affectionate, after many years, have counted the cause of submission and paid the price of a disciplined life as a disciple of Jesus Christ by submitting daily to each other in and through the grace and love of God. To deny self daily, pick up our cross and follow Jesus Mark 8.34 says. To forgive one another as Jesus has forgiven us, Colossians 3.13. Paul says, And now by his faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is agape love. 1 Corinthians 13.13. Wow. So submission is to depict the Christian home controlled by the Spirit through the believer. Remember these three things about submission. Submission is a distinguishing mark of the believer. Submission is distasteful to the unbeliever. And submission is to depict the Christian home controlled by the Spirit through the believer. Can't happen any other way. If you don't get verse 21 as a result of 18, you'll never be able to fulfill what follows. Impossible. Out of the question. So Christians choose to be spiritual or carnal. To be a good example or bad example. To receive the best or settle for the least. It is a choice. I hope we make the right choice. Father, thank you for your grace, your love and goodness. We love you. We thank you for your goodness towards us, your love. Thank you for just your mercy over our lives, the equipping of us with your spirit, your word, your mind. We pray, Lord, for those that are here that perhaps do not know you, that you would deal with their hearts and their need of coming to you to be forgiven, to be made new, to be given a new heart, to be able to live these things out by your grace. Those of you over the internet as you're praying, even now also if you're there, if you don't know Jesus Christ, You need to repent of your sins. Jesus loved you. He died for you. But only you can make that decision. If you're out there, you would love to be born again. Knowing that Jesus is God. That's the only one that can forgive your sins. A simple prayer to him is necessary. That of repentance. Not to us, but to him. This is a very simple prayer if you want to be born again. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.